0: What's up, everybody? This is Colby Wood with the Medical Sales Certification Podcast and welcome to this episode. And what I wanted to do in this episode is switch it up a little bit. And I honestly don't really know how this is going to go. What I wanted to do is try a podcast episode talking anatomy. Because, you know, inevitably in this job, in this role, uh, you're going to have a lot of time in the car. Um, I mean... Unless you've got a really small territory and you're selling products to only a couple accounts, you're going to be in the car quite a bit, and so it might be useful uh, for especially the young reps if you're trying to learn and memorize the anatomy to hear it on audio version. Because if it's just in a video form, uh, you're not really going to be able to you're not going to be able to be productive while you're in the car driving. So honestly, I you know what I'd like is at the end of this if this was a useful podcast. If this is relevant and this is something that I should do and, and keep doing for anatomy, um, let me know what you think. If it's a good idea, uh, if I don't get any responses, I'll assume that it's not worthwhile and just stick to video format for anatomy. But um, yeah, you know, I figured I'd I'd do a test run and see see how it's perceived, see how people like it, and uh, and if it's worthwhile. Then I'll keep doing it. But so let's just start. Um, I figured I'd start with the rotator cuff, just because that's kind of a, uh, at least in what we do in orthopedics, it's a very relevant uh, anatomical structure. Um, and so anyway, let's let's kind of dive in and see how this goes. So the rotator cuff is thought of as a single unit, and you you can in some ways think of the rotator cuff as a single unit, but understand it's four four individual tendons and muscle bellies that make up the rotator cuff. So you've got four tendons. It's the supraspinatus, the infraspinatus, the teres minor, and the subscapularis. Okay, so those four tendons and the associated muscle, but those four tendons make up the rotator cuff. And the rotator cuff in the shoulder is going to be if you were to look in a, an anatomy test book, textbook and you look at the what is the primary function of the rotator cuff, the primary function of the rotator cuff is to stabilize the humeral head in the glenoid socket. So the rotator cuff is grabbing on to the humeral head. And essentially what happens is if you fire your rotator cuff muscles, you're you're essentially pulling the humeral head medial and into the glenoid socket. So the the glenohumeral joint, it's a ball and socket joint, and it's a relatively shallow socket. So the glenoid is, is is the socket portion, and it's relatively shallow. And while that's good for range of motion, it's not good for stability. And so that's why the shoulder versus some of the other joints that are in the body, there are so many dynamic stabilizers around the joint because you need the dynamic stabilizers to stabilize the joint instead of using uh, the bony structure or the bony depth of the glenoid to stabilize the joint. And so the, your four rotator cuff tendons, their primary function is stabilization of the humeral head in the glenoid socket. So it stabilizes the glenohumeral joint. So effectively, you know, if you feel on your shoulder, the big muscle on your shoulder, is the deltoid. The deltoid is what does the majority of the work to move the shoulder through space. So to flex, extend, hyperextend, abduct, adduct. Uh, well, I guess abduct, not adduct. Uh, AB duct, the shoulder. Uh, anytime you're moving your shoulder around, it's primarily driven by the deltoid. That's the bigger muscle. It has a mechanical advantage just based on the, on the anatomy. But the rotator cuff, essentially what it's doing is it's keeping the the glenohumeral joint still and in place so that your deltoid can move the shoulder. So the supraspinatus sits on top of the, it's, it, you can use the spine of the scapula as a landmark to think through, all right, which rotator cuff tendon am I talking about? The supra Spinatus, supra is superior, which means above. So the, the supraspinatus originates on the scapula, just above the spine of the scapula. And then it runs runs uh, out lateral and attaches superiorly on the greater tuberosity of the humeral head. And so the, ro- the supraspinatus sits up top in the rotator cuff. Then as we move posterior or backward, you have the infraspinatus the infraspinatus just like the supraspinatus the infra or inferior is directly below the spine of the scapula and so it sits slightly posterior to the supraspinatus and then if you keep moving farther backward uh or posterior and inferior down the down the back of the glenor uh, of the humeral head you're going to get the teres minor so the teres minor sits even below that so it sits inferior to the infraspinatus, And then you come around to the front of the shoulder, the anterior part of the shoulder, and that's where your subscapularis sits. Okay, so that's, those are your four rotator cuff tendons. And, and if you were to kind of section out the rest of the body, and all that you had was a scapula and a humerus and your rotator cuff tendons, you would essentially just see rotator cuff tendons surrounding the joint because you have, the, you have the subscapularis in front, you have the supraspinatus up top, then you have the infraspinatus and the teres minor down back on the backside. And so what happens is if you were to fire all of those muscles at the same time, the anterior and the posterior muscles, so like your your subscapularis, and then your infraspinatus slash your teres minor, because the subscapularis sits anterior and the infraspinatus and the teres minor sit more posterior, they're, they're more or less going to cancel each other out. And then you've got the supraspinata sitting up top. So if you're pulling on all four, all, if all four of those muscles are fired at the same time, it's essentially just grabbing and pulling the humeral head and squeezing it into the glenoid. And so that's the stability that happens by the rotator cuff. Now, then you can kind of section out, all right, well, I need to know what each of the tendons does independently. So, let's kind of walk through that. So if you, if you have your subscapularis in front in the, in the anterior side of the shoulder, what's happening is if you were to grab, if you just take your hand and you were to grab on the front part of your humerus and you pulled, what would happen is you would create internal rotation of the humerus because the, the subscapularis is sitting on the, is originating on the scapula, but then it's grabbing the front part of the humerus on the lesser tuberosity, so the so the subscapularis inserts on the lesser tuberosity in the, on the shoulder, it, if you were to grab that part of the shoulder and pull, it's essentially going to create internal rotation, okay? And then vice versa with that, is if you were to take the infraspinatus and the teres minor, and your those grab on the posterior or the backside of the humerus, and if you were to pull on those, that would create external rotation of the shoulder. And so what's happening is those two are in balance, right? If they're firing at the same time, it's essentially just going to adduct, adduct, and pull the shoulder into the glenoid, right? Um, but independently, the, the subscapularis is going to create internal rotation. And then the teres minor, and the infraspinatus and the teres minor are gonna create external rotation, okay? And then if you look at the, if you think about the supraspinatus, the supraspinatus sits up top in the shoulder joint. So it, it sits up top on the, on the greater tuberosity. And what happens there is if you pull that, you can create abduction, abduction. because if you were to grab the top of the shoulder and pull, your arm would want to raise up. Now it, it's not really, it doesn't have a great mechanical advantage because it's pulling so close to the point of rotation, right? The axis of rotation. So the lever arm, if you can think back to, I don't know, whatever, whatever that was, geometry, lever arms, I think so. Um, The, the axis of rotation or the point of rotation would be centered around the middle of the joint. Well, the supraspinatus is only sitting a couple centimeters away from that point, because it's grabbed on, it's grabbing onto the greater tuberosity at the top of the shoulder. And so if you pull on that, you can create some abduction, abduction, but you would also create some uh, adduction as well because it's, you don't create abduction, abduct, but it's pulling. And so it, it could, it essentially is helping with adduction. But if you were to read it in a textbook, it would say that the cuff, uh sorry, it would say that the supraspinatus, it does have uh, abduction, abduction. Because it would, if you grab the top of the shoulder and pull, your arm would essentially rotate out to the side. It would raise up out to the side. So, those—that's the specific movement of each of the rotator cuff tendons, and that's the primary function of the rotator cuff. Um, and so, let's do just—I guess—a quick review. Seems like a relevant thing now. Um, Four rotator cuff tendons. You have the supraspinatus, the infraspinatus, the teres minor, and the subscapularis those four make up the rotator cuff. The primary function of the rotator cuff is stabilization of the glenohumeral joint. It's pulling the humerus into the glenoid and holding it steady. And it's a, the effect of that is it stabilizes the glenohumeral joint so that your deltoid can move your arm around in space. Because you need, you need a stable joint. If, If your joint is not stable, then, when you're firing your deltoid to try to move your arm around, the your humerus is going to slide up. It's either going to move anterior, it's going to move posterior, it's going to move superior because your your deltoid is firing. So, you have to have a functioning, an intact and functioning rotator cuff to be able to have full range of motion of the shoulder joint. So, um, that's I guess probably where I'll, where I'll stop with this if this type of a podcast is helpful to kind of walk through the anatomy again, I don't, my thought is obviously the best case scenario is you're, you're watching videos to learn the anatomy because you need to see it visually. But I know that people drive a lot or you've got downtime or you're, you know, you're working out or something like that. And how can I, how can I help kind of develop that part of the side of the business, learning the anatomy, um, when you're not actually watching a video because you can't, can't always be watching videos. So if this is, if this podcast was helpful, uh, please do shoot me a message and say, yeah, let's, let's do more like this, you know, cause then we could go into the labrum and the shoulder. We could go to the AC joint. We could go to the deltoid. We could go, we could talk about actual procedures like total joint arthroplasty. We could talk about, you know, ACL reconstruction, anything like that. Um, I think could be relevant, but I don't want to put up a bunch of podcasts that are not useful necessarily, but hopefully, hopefully it's, uh, my thought is it might be. And so we'll see. So, um, thank you guys for listening to this anatomy episode, the first one. And, um, yeah, let me know what you guys think and we'll see on the next one. Bye.